Well, hello there. It's good to see you again, and welcome back to Your Money and a Cup of Joe. I am your host and moderator, Ryan Ruff. Always good to be with you here on the podcast, and as always, I've got my right-hand man in Mr. Joe Kaleo of UBS. We're going to be diving into another wealth management-related discussion here today, Uh, and really to kick things off, I've got a question for you, and that is, how well do you and your spouse or partner work together really when it comes to figuring out those issues around saving, around spending, or even investing. You know, how how well do you work together in that realm? It can be difficult for a lot. So today, what Joe and I are going to be doing is is we're going to be examining this relationship and, and how you can be working together to build a better financial partnership along with maybe your marital partnership. And let's be honest, the answer to that question earlier, it can have a pretty big impact on your future as individuals and as a couple, you know, those goals, those aspirations you set for your future. Uh, and boy, so boy, do we have a lot to unpack today. But first, let's go ahead and say hi to the man of the hour. Joe, it's good to see you today. How you doing, sir? Ryan, great to see you. Glad you're here. You're recently married. I'm married. This impacts our lives on an everyday basis. Hey, let's dig into this topic, shall we? You know, Joe, I've got my notepad here. I might be uh, taking some considerations for myself here. But uh, let, hey, Joe, let's start high level like we typically do. Um, Let's first just assess the current landscape, right? Do Would you say do most couples make financial decisions together or do you see one person usually kind of taking the reins and leading the charge? Ryan, as you might expect, it's a little all over the map, right? Everybody's not quite the same. You see some patterns. But what we do see, many couples really aren't working together as a team as much as you think they could or should to arrive at a place where they're both happy. I mean, for example, studies have shown over the years that have found most of the higher earning spouses in a marriage tend to take responsibility for saving and investing decisions for the family. And while that might be kind of the uh, gut instinct or, you know, baseline level, it may not always be the best move for a lot of people. The way we see it when both partners have a say in wealth management decisions, it could mean a lot better potential for the bottom line, a lot bigger potential bottom line, too. Sure, absolutely. And I want to dive into some of the key benefits here now, Joe. What would you say are some of those key benefits for making those financial decisions together rather than just individualistic decisions? Well, Ryan, you know, division of labor can always make a lot of sense, but especially in decision making, it's probably not one of them, but it could be part of it, right? There's benefits of collaborating on finances and certainly could include things like a stronger commitment to goals. When you think about it, couples who set goals together and then are on the same page, they're more likely to be committed to those shared goals versus say, if one just sets the goals and then kind of dictates it to the other. That's a little hard to deal with sometimes, right? But then there's also working together and that can serve as a reality check in stressful times. I mean, The best plan can crumble if you panic during times of, say, market volatility or uncertainty or someone gets laid off or makes rash moves, say, for example, selling out of stocks after they've plummeted in price. Now, if you're acting as a partner, you and your spouse can work together and that can help each other, especially if someone's getting nervous or is tempted to let emotions override the moment. That can be especially important for guys. So guys, listen up. Studies show female investors tend to outperform men in part because women show less propensity to trade frequently 
or make highly speculative investments. Now, I know a lot of guys will say, how can that be? I don't do that. You just might want to take an inventory of emotional trading or markets in high volatility. Sure, sure. That's really interesting to to hear, Joe. Uh, you know, when in, and when you when you couple that with the idea of you know just working together, frankly, it sounds like there's some real benefits there if you do lean into working together, financially speaking. And and I'd almost say, wager to say there might be a, a an argument to help you even promote and build a better partnership and relationship if you're working together on those finances. What do you what do you have to say to that? It's exactly right, Ryan. Studies show husbands and wives have a tendency to report higher relationship quality and stability when they're both involved in financial decisions and processes. Money issues and concerns are regularly cited as a leading driver of divorce, and financial arguments may be even a stronger predictor of divorce. So if you find you're working together to address the questions and the challenges, that can potentially alleviate those stressors and hopefully avoid some of the damage to a relationship. Sure, sure thing. And Joe, any other important advantage you might see in your eyes occurring among couples who do ultimately work together to manage their wealth? Yeah, absolutely, Ryan. Practically speaking, one of you is likely to live longer than the other. So let's just go into the statistics. Women generally live longer than men do. So there's a reasonable chance that a wife will eventually have to deal with financial decisions without her husband. Statistically, it's three out of four. And if they are, it's possibly for many years. But waiting until that moment to begin learning about and dealing with family finances could spell a disaster or at least problematic, especially if the surviving spouse is getting good financial advice. Ryan, let's, let's step back for just a second, right? Let me just share a story about mom and dad. My mom and dad, they have both passed. My dad made more money. My dad was the you know, the primary decision maker on investments. Mom paid the bills. And we see a lot of this with a lot of our current clients. Dad passed away first. Mom had this thrust upon her. But when dad was working, I would call dad at work and talk to him about finances. And he said he would relate it to mom. Sometimes he did. Sometimes he didn't right? But when he retired and came home to the house and I would call him, they would both get on the phone together. So she was getting some education later on in life, but not as much as he had. He predeceased her. And then sure enough, it was thrust upon mom. This is not uncommon. In fact, this is very common for a lot of families, for a lot of relationships. So now mom had to make decisions. Now, fortunately, she had a son who's in the business and she could relate to it. But then she also says, I trust you to make the right decision. But there were also things she had to decide. And some of them were hard decisions and challenging decisions for her. So it's one of those things that the sooner the second spouse, the less involved spouse can be involved, the better. And I think that's the potential to find creative and impactful solutions for families, right? Two heads can be better than one, especially in important financial moves. Say, for example, you and your spouse work for employers who have different retirement plans with bigger differences in terms of a match and other features. Rather than you both devoting all of you, you can to those respective plans, but you're also carrying some debt, the best move may be to pay down some debt in some cases and max out one retirement plan. 
So it shouldn't be made in a silo. You should both know what you're both getting from your employer, for example, and know what your debt is and get a game reduction or a game plan to, to reduce the debt or something of that nature. So getting everybody on the page about all of the goals and not acting in a silo is very important. Agreed. Agreed. You all want to be on the same page, no doubt, because I mean, we're talking about goals, aspirations, right? For your future life. You want to be on the same page there just, and the finances are going to get you there, but let's double down on this for a second, Joe. So for those that let's say do have that drive to work together with their spouse uh, or partner on money related manners, or let's say even the people that are already doing it, but just want to get better at it. Uh, any advice? Let's start, Ryan, with one of the first thing to do is to boost your financial intelligence, right? Let's get you educated. So you see that there are classes available more than ever before. And we see that one partner is likely to have less investment skills than the other, or at least feels that he or she does. So to work together on an issue, it's helpful that you both get up to speed on the various topics, right? And so that's bringing up the less educated in this area up to a certain baseline so of, of understanding. It doesn't mean you have to go back to school, but there are primers out there for adult education and finance, community colleges, for example, online courses, any number of places that offer basic education. Second, without a doubt, discuss your goals both shared goals and individual goals. Now, one of the goals that we often hear are when you want to retire. Those can be different. But then what's the shared goal once you get into retirement? It's one of the most important things we talk to married couples or couples of any kind together about the most. What does that retirement picture look like? Paint that picture for us. Is it in the mountains? Is it at the beach? Is it near the kids? Is it near the grandkids? What does that look like? friends involved? What are you doing for fun? All of it. Make a big separate list and rank them in importance and then compare your lists. Being clear on your various outcomes can really help you solidify what your goals are both individually and collectively. And you may have to make some decisions and compromises about saving, about spending, investing, and potentially other financial topics, where you're going to live, where you may move, right? Who's going to help you when there's one spouse remaining? Are there children involved? Have you planned for a retirement home or long-term care? Those are all very important things that the first spouse may not be thinking about for the second spouse. But having the financial wherewithal solidified in case of that need becomes very important. So whether you're discussing that potential financial decision or whether you consider an actual move, all of it becomes objectives you've got to discuss. Amen to that, Joe. And I want to pinpoint something important, and that's uh, it's a fundamental thing that any marriage, any relationship or partnership uh, deals with, and that's compromises, right? We all have our disagreements, and we all have to meet you know, meet in the middle, find a compromise to achieve a common goal. Any advice on how couples out there can be leveraging compromises uh, to really, you know, have a better outcome with financial matters when they're working together? Yeah, Ryan, you're you're recently married, right? Have you found some areas of compromise here recently? Absolutely. In your life? It's only right? natural. Absolutely. Don't we all? Yeah, exactly. don't we all? Right? 
I wasn't feeding the horses early enough. And so now I get up at 4.15. So I had to compromise. It's not 4.30 anymore. It's 4.15. So we've all got to find and give up exactly. some control, right? And and so in a relationship, those decisions do need to be made. And, and right, my wife does a great job keeping our house clean. She loves doing it. I'm terrible at it. She'll tell you I'm terrible at it. So we've all got to give up some control. Mm -hmm. So in back to finances, are we finding an area where we exert too much control? Are we willing to give up some control and share some information? How good are you at welcoming your spouse's opinion about financial issues and listening to their ideas with an open mind? Ryan, I'll go back. Here I am, the professional. I, I, I'll be honest, I wasn't too open to her opinions, but I needed to be. So that way she felt warm and welcomed. If something happened to me, then she'd have better understanding about it. So I had to be warm, you know, I had to open up, right? I had to open up and share with her. Now we try to do that at least on a monthly basis. So if you've always handled your finances or you know more than your spouse, let's sit down and talk about it. Even if you're a math whiz, right? And your spouse isn't, have a both way in on financial decisions. Even if only one of you is on the hook for all the money mistakes that occur, opening the door to second guessing, at least on information and education, hopefully that can at least eliminate or reduce blame and resentment. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the last thing any, any, you know, partnership or marriage wants. Uh, exactly. Now I want to, I want to touch base on a, on a conversation that you and I had here on the show in episodes prior. And that's this idea of, of your wealth personality. We all deal with wealth. We all act with wealth differently. Uh, and our viewpoints of what our wealth is supposed to achieve for our lives uh, will differ from person to person. So when we're looking at wealth personalities, do you see any challenges arising in a marriage when you've got two people that have differing or just frankly different wealth personalities or fundamental views about money? Ryan, we have talked about it. and Let's revisit part of that here right now, right? Thinking about investment perspective, you need to clarify and have clarity around your respective risk tolerance. It's very common for one to be one spouse to be comfortable with aggressive investing while the other is more conservative. One might be a phobic and hates to lose 50 cents. The other's a risk taker and wants to make a buck. And then how do you marry those two differences, right? You've got to be comfortable. Someone does take the lead, but still shares with the other side. And it's not uncommon to have IRAs with totally different risk profiles that match their profile, but then the joint account have something that's middle of the road. So that goes back to that moderation, having a common goal, having a common understanding, right? So that way it doesn't create tension in the marriage, making some shared decisions along the way, even if someone's leading the charge and the overall decision-making. Maybe you have a percentage of that joint account in conservative and a percentage in risky. And what's the overall risk percentage? That's part of what we have to we have to come to some common ground with. So that mix between stocks or equities and fixed income and bonds becomes very important. So that way there's not that tension in your retirement, right? Some of the things to think about to help avoid the, the agreements or disagreements is finding your wealth relative to your goals. 
So as a couple, you've already built more than enough wealth, hopefully, to achieve your goals. Great. Then you need to decide and emphasize the investments that are focused on wealth preservation, not sacrificing the risk to undo all of what you've accumulated. But conversely, you may need to decide that your wealth means more that you can afford that's perfect for everyone. So rather than just weighing or worrying about how much risk you can afford to take, how much do you need to take? So that's important. The other is peace of mind, right? How much do you value that? If the risk taker is already excited, but the phobic hates the risk that's being taken, the risk taker has to be careful that the phobic is sleeping at night. And I've had those calls where I just can't sleep with how much risk we're taking. That's almost where we have to have a counseling session. And we do need to make sure that everybody's sleeping at night. We don't want them to worry that their net worth is fluctuating too greatly from year to year. And that's important. Oh my gosh, absolutely. And, and Joe, you mentioned that idea of, of, you know, having that counseling session essentially. And, you know, we've talked in prior episodes about the importance of, of an individual leaning on their, their financial advisor, their wealth manager, when it comes to these moments in life and these discussions, do you yourself see yourself as kind of that mediator in moments like these for a couple uh, where people do need that guidance? They do need to be walked through a situation and promote that, you know, the positivity that is involved when they're working together and on the same page. You know, do you have anything to speak to in that realm? Yeah, Ryan, statistically, the, the stock market goes down once out of every four years, right? And so it doesn't happen that often, but we do see periods where we're having these conversations a little more often. And it's generally in terms of market volatility is high, the stock market has dropped, and we're having a conversation that's generally back against what are our goals? Are we meeting our goals? And do we need to renew their financial plan? Do we need to look at the risk basis, the long term, and not so much against the short term? Because remember, we just talked about, are we trading something that we shouldn't during a, a period of mar market volatility? That's what we've got to be careful against. So whether it's us or anybody else, a, a trusted professional should be able to help you during these crucial times, and a married couple may need to just have a sit down and have a conversation. They should be able to help you cut through any confusion to help you focus on that long-term goal so you can meet your bottom line and have peace of mind in the short term. So make sure that both spouses are attending meetings with advisors, I would say at least on an annual basis, but make sure you're managing your money like a marriage in a partnership right? Take steps that you work well with your spouse, you come together with your assets, you understand the long term together, and you'll be happier and healthier in the long run. Joe, we've thrown a lot at our audience today and a lot of considerations for those couples out there. For anybody out there that's let's say maybe they're scratching their head still at a unique element in their financial world, or maybe they just would like to dive deeper into one of the items we discussed today on the show. What would be the best way they could reach out and get in touch with you and your team to just open up that conversation so that they and their spouse can get on the same page, you know, surrounding a given item. Ryan, they can look us up. We've got our homepage on the web. We've also got our toll free number. Give us a call, send us an email. We'd be happy to give them a second opinion or just, even do a quick no-charge family counseling session on financial management. 
Fantastic. Well, Joe, look, I know you're a busy guy. I will let you get back to serving your clients like you do best, but uh, I appreciate you jumping on and, and diving into a, a pretty big topic that I think a lot of couples out there would relate to. Ryan, cheers. Good to see you, bud. Of course, of course. And hey, folks, we want to take one final moment, as we always do, and thank you for stopping by and being with us on the show today. If you did take anything away from today's discussion, you feel like you took some value from it, go ahead and hit that subscribe button then on whichever platform you check this out on. That way you never miss out on a future conversation between Joe and myself where we address these different wealth management topics that Joe you know, sees popping up in the lives of his clients on a regular basis. Before Joe, I'm Ryan. We're going to go, go ahead and say so long today, but we appreciate you stopping by and being with us on Your Money and a Cup of Joe. This presentation is for informational and educational purposes only and should not be relied upon as investment advice or the basis for making any investment decisions. The views and opinions expressed may not be those of UBS Financial Services Incorporated. UBS Financial Services Incorporated does not verify and does not guarantee the accuracy or completeness of the information presented. This material is made available for use by CEG. Neither UBS Financial Services Incorporated nor any of its employees provide tax or legal advice. You should consult with your personal tax or legal advisor regarding your personal circumstances. As a firm providing wealth management services to clients, UBS Financial Services Incorporated offers investment advisory services in its capacity as an SEC registered investment advisor and brokerage services in its capacity as an SEC registered broker dealer. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways, and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. It is important that clients understand the ways in which we conduct business, that they carefully read the agreements and disclosures that we provide to them about the products or services we offer. For more information, please review the PDF document at UBS.com slash relationship summary. UBS Financial Services Incorporated is a subsidiary of UBS AG, member FINRA, member SIPC. Joe Kaleo at Kaleo Wealth Management Group, UBS Financial Services Incorporated, office address 200 West Highway 6, Suite 400 in Waco, Texas, 76712.